thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing. We thank you for young adults in this community. We thank you for every single young adult here. I pray that what they're able to give, whether even if it's just a prayer, a picture, or if it is money, God, that you would bless them above and beyond. God, we thank you. We worship you. God, I pray that you would just be with every single one of us in the message tonight, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you want to do and how you're going to reveal it, God. We thank you, and we offer this money and this praise and this worship all in your precious name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you guys want to stand and worship right now, we're just going to get started. So you can stand. You can come to the sides if you want to bow down. If you are a clapper, if you're a jumper, whatever you want. Or if you're completely fine where you're at, here we go. Young adults, before we sing together, I just want to read a scripture over us. From Hebrews 10, starting in verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Amen. Kind of get an amen for he who promised is faithful. Because of that, we can draw near into the presence of God without fear, without holding back. We can lean into him. So let's do that right now. I'm gonna I'm just going to pray that over us, Lord. I ask that you would stir something up in us, that we would lean into you. God, that we wouldn't have fear, that we wouldn't have shame. God, in your presence, where you are, there is no condemnation, Lord. So we stand on that. Hallelujah. Let's sing, I have this hope. I have this hope. Sing it out as an anchor. As an anchor for my soul Through every storm I will hold to you With endless love With endless love All my fear is swept away trust in you. There's hope. Let's sing it out, you guys. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand unshakable unchanging one let's sing it out unchanging one who was in this to come your promise will not let go. There is hope.
song to the Lord. He delights in our praises. Let's sing to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're an unshakable God. You're an unshakable God. And we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We stand on your promises tonight. We stand on your promises, Lord. Let's sing your name is higher.
unfailing, your promise unshaken. All my hope is in
Hosanna.
tonight we're here and we're calling out to you and we're saying God would you break our hearts for what breaks yours God would you stir in our hearts tonight at young adults right here God could you take our hearts and break them for the things that break your hearts God we pray that and God we know that we get one shot at life and we live on earth now but one day we'll walk to eternity so will you lead us and guide us and direct us on that path, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the young adults said, amen, amen. Hey, will you do this? Before you sit down, will you find somebody, give them a hug, a high five, introduce yourself to somebody new, all right? Well, hey, everybody, you can take your seats. I see a lot of people I love. I see a lot of young adults. And uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing good? Can we give God a little shout of praise? Can we give God a little clap offering? That's good. If you're excited about God, can you, can you give him another shout? Can you make it a little louder? There you go. So, hey, I don't know what you walked in with tonight, but I just want to introduce myself and just say that I'm Josiah Keneally. I love uh, young adults and being a part of this family of young adults who love Jesus, seek Jesus, and share Jesus. And I, get, I even get to be the pastor of this group, which is a really an honor and a privilege and a lot of fun. And um, just want to say welcome, as Mike has already said, as Dan's already said, and just wanted to thank you guys if it's your first time. We don't think you're here by accident. We really think that you're here for a reason. And I talked to a young adult yesterday, actually, who came to last service a month ago, and they felt like it changed their whole month. And I guess that's my prayer is tonight that if whatever you walked in with, whatever you're going through, that God can meet you right where you're at tonight, that you can leave differently than how you came in. And maybe you've been facing hell all week in your life. But I really think that hopefully this can be a glimpse with worship and a, a glimpse of heaven on earth. And that's my prayer is that you can experience the joy and the love of Jesus. And so I just wanted to start tonight with a story that applies to my life. And growing up, um, one of my favorite storybooks, did you ever growing up real young age have a favorite storybook like Goodnight Moon or Hello, uh, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish? Did you ever have a favorite? Okay. So my favorite book was this, call, it was called The Book of Virtues, and my parents would tell us these stories, and, and I just loved anything that had a principle, anything that had like a practical application. That's kind of what I'm all about, and um, even from a young age, and one of my favorite stories, this book, it's called The Book of Virtues. Someday you should buy it, you should read it to your kids, and uh, it'll, it'll make a big difference in their life, and 
Um, it's by William Bennett, who's like a doctor of psychology, genius, and he collected, he didn't write all of them, but he collected all of these parables and stories and stories that have a virtue, they have a purpose, they have a meaning. And uh, my favorite of all time is called The Magic Thread. Everybody say that with me, The Magic Thread. And so I don't know about you, but uh, maybe you had a favorite story that you still remember. But I remember uh, learning about this, this young boy named Peter. And he was like every other young boy. He loved recess. He loved life. And he didn't like school very much because he liked daydreaming about the other things of life. And so Peter, he's described in the book as a strong, able boy. But he did not enjoy going to school. Can anybody relate? Can I get an amen? Can Peter get an amen? I see that hand. Yes. And uh, he was forever daydreaming. In the winter, he, w he wanted it to be summer, like many of you tonight. In the summer, he really wished he had a warm fire with cold, uh, well, I guess warm hot chocolate, melty marshmallows. And he wanted it to be ice skating and sledding and snowboarding and tubing and just hanging out, making snowmen on the roof at Cedar Valley. Just all kinds of different things. He, he, he loved doing that kind of stuff. And, and, and one day, he went off on, uh, on his lunch break at school. He went off into the woods to play, and he, he fell asleep and took a nap. Well, he wakes up, and there's this older woman standing above him. There's this older woman, and she says, Peter, I've got something that if you want, I'll give it to you. And what, what she offers him is this magic ball that has this silk golden string that if he pulls it, she's like, Peter, if you are bored with life, all you need to do is pull this thread a little bit one time, and an hour will go by like a minute. An hour will go by like a minute. So he's like, dude, I'm all about that. I'll, uh, I'll pull it when it's not recess. It'll be recess all the time. Just pull the string, recess for 24-7. And uh, so he started doing that. And, and th that very day, his teacher scolded him for, like, daydreaming in the middle of class. So he's like, forget this. I'm going home. He pulls his string. And then he's like, man, this is cool. I wish I was done with school. So at eight years old, he pulls the string, and it's graduation day. He's like, man, this is so cool. I can't wait till I'm done with college. Pulls the string. He's, he's done with college. He's like, I can't wait to get married someday. And pulls the string, and he's married. He's on the day of his wedding. And he looks at his uh, mom, and he's like, man, my mom has gray hair now. She's aged. I can't believe that my mom has aged that fast while he's been pulling the string. And he's like, well, someday it'd be cool to have kids. So he pulls the string again. His wedding reception's over. He has kids. Then there's a problem. He's like, these kids cry and eat, and all they do is cry and eat and poop. He's like, I wish they were grown-ups. So he pulls the string again, and before too long, um, he finds himself that uh, his mother had passed away. And before too long, his kids were grown, and he found himself in uh, his home with just his wife, and they were all alone. All the kids had gone off to college. They'd all gone on with life. And um, he, he had grandchildren, but uh, he was all alone, old and gray. And he discovered this, like, ultimate gift was like a crazy curse in his life because he had wished his life away in this, in this story. And I've found so many times in my own life, you guys, even at a young age, does anybody relate to that? Where you're like, oh, I wish, I, I believe this myth. I think this is a myth. I'll address this myth. Because I believe that as soon as I'm done with high school, I'll have more free time. I'll get to do more of what I want. I'll, I'll get to... Uh, I'll get to take the classes that I actually paid for, that I actually signed up for, that I actually like. And we kind of have this magic string. We kind of have this silken golden string with a ball, and we kind of wish our life away sometimes. 
And I think that sometimes maybe now it's in a state of college. Well, as soon as I'm graduated or as soon as I make the right team, as soon as I get a full-time job or if I get the car of my dreams or the girl or the guy of my dreams or the house of my dreams, then my life will be complete. Then my life will be all better. And I think that's a myth. I think that you need to enjoy every season of life. And you're in a specific season of your life. And my message tonight would be don't waste your life. Tonight, the message is don't waste your life. We get one shot, one chance, one choice to make in life. And I love uh, in your Bibles, if you turn, or we have a giant one that I love to refer to on the screen. And um, in Ephesians chapter 5, I think the author of Ephesians, Paul, describes life really well. And in Ephesians 5.15, he says this. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Man, and those verses 15, 16, and 17, that'll preach. That is so deep right there. Don't live as unwise, but live as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. I think what Paul would be saying to young adults is live it up. Soak in the season. Enjoy the season that you're in and don't waste your life. Understand what God's will is for your life. And I think that one of the ways we can waste our lives as young adults is that we can be really busy. And we can find ourselves in a season where we're... Um, really just all over the place, overscheduled, overworked, um, overexhausted. Anybody relate to that? Find it, find it busy? And uh, I think that sometimes we're wasting our life, but don't waste your life by hurrying and being busy. Be available to God. My prayer tonight is that if you walked in and you find yourself busy, overworked, stressed out, overwhelmed by life, that you could be available to God. And part of it, you're doing it tonight as you're worshiping, you're finding yourself in a place where you can hear from God, and I commend you for that. Investment. Investment is big. Way back, I wanted to, uh, at one point in my life, I really wanted to uh, be like a, well, I have a friend, I interned with him, and he uh, does financial advising, and he is in the IDS building on the 29th floor, downtown Minneapolis. His name is Michael Block, and I really like going downtown to visit Michael, and at one point, I thought that that's what I wanted to do with my life is investments, and that's a great field if you choose to go into it. But I think that the most valuable investment that you can make is spending time, and we've talked about it as young adults, of 15 minutes of chair time, sitting in any chair, your chair can be anywhere, with an open Bible, and I really believe that that discipline can change your life. I've talked to even leaders who said that as soon as I started carving out 15 minutes of chair time a day, my life was radically different, radically changed. And... I think another way that we can waste our life sometimes is by being powerless. One time, my friend Cameron Baker, I entered with him at Paradigm, the youth group here. My friend Cameron Baker, he was like, almost like uh, Stephen Tobias, just this light genius. There's lights behind me, and some people are really drawn to lights and just enticed and mesmerized. And Cameron was one of those people, and he got a youth pastor job in a youth group named Paradigm down in Rochester, Minnesota. And Cameron, he uh, had this going away party. It was at Fuddruckers. Anybody like Fuddruckers? Cheeseburgers, malts, shakes. I hear that, Seth. And uh, Fuddruckers, we're going to Fuddruckers. So to get to Fuddruckers from here, you need to go on 494, which is actually the busiest road in all of Minnesota. Busiest road. In rush hour, it's the busiest road. And in college, when this happened to me, I was driving a Jeep. 
which I've referred to at different points. This Jeep was tired. It was worn out. And all of a sudden, I'm driving in the center lane, and I'm going 60 or close to it, busy, lots of traffic, and I hear a thud. And I had just lost all power steering in the middle lane. And I remember struggling with all of my might to even just get the blinker on and turn the wheel enough. It was an all-wheel drive, like heavy-duty Jeep that was old and tired. And I, I was trying to get over just one lane and trying to exit. And I was like, no power steering. I don't know if you've ever tried to drive a car that maybe didn't have power steering, but it's not advisable. It's not advisable, especially on a dangerous road. And I remember just like sweating bullets, trying to pull in this parking lot. And then the fun story is the, the tow truck came. And actually the tow truck battery died. So the tow truck pulled another tow truck, which pulled my Jeep. But uh, I, I remember driving this car that was just powerless, just powerless. It had plenty of get up and go like a V8, but what good does that do without power steering? You know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes maybe you're looking for purpose in life. There's a theologian, his name's Justin Bieber. Uh, his, you know what? He's writing songs chasing purpose in life. How many young people does that relate with? Why does his song, only, only Adele can sing better than him and write better songs, I guess, because she's number one on iTunes. But Justin Bieber, he relates with young people because he's singing about purpose. He's singing about life. And maybe you're looking for power steering or meaning or purpose in your life. And maybe you're at a row where you're like, I really wish I had some power steering, not on the freeway, but in my life. And we're going to talk about that tonight by going to Acts, the book of Acts in the Bible, chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, it says this. Acts chapter 1 is uh, written by the same guy who wrote Luke. So Luke-Acts is actually considered one book, but he writes, In my former book, Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions that the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering on the cross, Jesus showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he's eating with them, he gave them this command. It's important to know that this is a command. He said this. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we'll come back to that verse in a second. But when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to come? And is this, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And they're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for a Savior. And they think that there's going to be a king who overthrows the current Roman government. They think that there's going to be somebody who, like, revolts against society. And Jesus was already very popular, already a very controversial, popular teacher. And so they're like, man, are, are you going to overthrow the government? Are you going to take over the world? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel to God's people? And he said to this, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think that that's powerful because he talks about power. 
Can you imagine what it's like if Jesus gives you this command and you're sitting as a disciple or as an apostle or one of Jesus' followers, you're sitting in Jerusalem and he says, don't leave Jerusalem. He's like, don't leave Jerusalem. It's actually a command. Don't leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. Maybe they're like, man, I wish we could pull the string so that Jesus would come back or Jesus could baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Maybe is there more to life? Maybe you've been asking questions of purpose and meaning and you want to know, is there more to life? Is this it? Is this all that God has for my life? What's God's plan for my life? Is there, there's got to be more. And I found this verse applied in my life for the first time in fifth grade. I had never been to summer camp before. And in fifth grade, there was a way for me to go to Lake Geneva. And I got to go to Bible camp as a, as a fifth grader. And there, I heard a guy named Big Dan, who is actually about this tall, so his name is really cool, and it, he relates with kids really well, but Big Dan is actually a very small Dan. But Big Dan, he's a pastor to kids, and he shared about power for the Holy Spirit, that we could have a changed life for all of eternity, and our life on earth could be different if we would pray that God would empower us, that God would fill us, that maybe instead of going from a wasted, powerful life to being an empowered, filled life. And I remember that stood out to me, and I remember praying at the altars at Lake Geneva, coming forward like we're going to have an opportunity to do in a little bit. And I just prayed that, that Jesus would fill me up with the Holy Spirit and that I could pray in a prayer language and that God would baptize me in the Holy Spirit just like he promised. That, and, and what I'm saying to you is I think a command almost to you or contextualize what this looks like to you, my challenge, man, as much as I'd challenge you about anything else in life before, my challenge would be don't leave young adults without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you get one thing in your season while you're coming to Cedar Valley Young Adults, if it's one night, if it's one year, if it's 10 years, man, I think you don't want to leave young adults. You don't want to leave Jerusalem without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's easy to live in a, in a world where life is sinful. It's so easy to go to Thirsty Thursdays, you know? It's so easy to live a life of, man, partying and drinking and looking for the next high. Or it's so easy to waste life, just, just binging on Netflix, it's so easy to just waste our life away or wish our life away. And I think what God's saying is don't leave young adults without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's such a good word. And I think that um, a tragedy for a young adult who came through Cedar Valley is if they get to 25 years old or 30 years old or the life expectancy of the average U.S. citizen, 80 years old. What if you got to 80? My greatest regret is if you would look back and you'd say, I wasted it. Like this little boy with this magic string. He just wasted and wished his life away. Let's not be people like that. Let's not waste our lives. In fact, don't waste your life by living an empty life. Be filled. I think that sometimes the key to a filled life is to empty us of ourselves. And that's been my prayer for this night. And I actually asked Haley if she would share that song with us of, Break my heart for what breaks yours, because that empties us of our desires, of our will. It empties us of ourselves. And I think if we want to be filled with God, John the Baptist said it this way. He's got to increase. I've got to become less and less. In my life, I've got to become less and less. I've got to decrease. I've got to empty me of me. God's got to break my heart of me, and he's got to point me towards him and fill me up with him. And so tonight, one of your prayers, perhaps maybe it's, God, would you empty me of me? God, would you fill me up with more of you? And I think that that's powerful. And uh, in Acts, 
we'll go back to Acts in chapter 2 then. What happens is Acts chapter 2, remember Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost came, chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Pentecost was a celebration they already celebrated. So they'd come together almost like Christmas or Easter, similar to that in the Jewish culture. Everybody's going to come together on the day of Pentecost. And suddenly, a sound came like a blowing <laughs> of a violent wind that came from heaven. That one came from my mouth, my vocal cords. But there was once one that came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each, on each of them. There wasn't like a higher select, more spiritual. There was no qualifications other than being a sinner to follow Jesus. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a promise. It was a command like, wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. God's always good on his promise. If it's the Holy Spirit, if we ask God for a gift, the Bible also says that if, if we ask God for a bread, he's not going to give us a stone. If we ask him for fish, he's not going to give us a snake. You know, And I think that God knows what we need even before we ask it. I really believe that. And God's good on every one of his promises. You can test him. You can, you can bank your whole life on it. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 4, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I remember for me, where this became real in my life, I talked about getting baptized in the Holy Spirit at Lake Geneva. It was a, as, as a fifth grader. Like, crazy, I'm, I'm very thankful for that privilege as a young person to, to have that spiritual heritage and to have that upbringing. I really didn't do anything different until I, I went, I was a senior in high school. I felt God asked me to go to Belize on a missions trip. And I remember going to Belize and uh, Pastor Micah Mack, you've probably met Pastor Micah. Micah Mack was one of the leaders on this trip. We went to Belize and we would go canvassing, which is like door to door, knocking on the doors, but there's not doors in some of the villages like Skeleton Town in Belize. They had huts that my office is, it's bigger than a lot of those and they didn't have roofs and we'd play soccer with the kids and I remember I had these like Adidas or Puma cleats and I don't even play soccer but I was able to find them here the kids there are so happy happiest people I've ever met and they've never had shoes they play soccer in the fields with, with no shoes and I remember we would go door to door and this Acts 1 8 came to my heart it came to my mind and it's like Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, for me, this was one of my first experiences out of the United States where it was really ends of the earth, it, even though it's just Belize is in Central America. To a senior in high school, that was the ends of the earth, man. Never been anywhere further. And I remember I saw this guy on a bicycle, and we were, we, we were doing this big outreach. And if you can imagine, we were inviting everyone. We were going house to house, hut to hut and just inviting people to come hear about Jesus. And we gave away a bicycle so all the kids would come, and we would do, like, just a ton of fun stuff. But I remember seeing this guy on a bicycle, and I found out that he a lot of the people there made money by selling drugs. That was a present reality for them. And he came up, and I asked him to stop, and if I could share. Sometimes when you go to another country, just by being a citizen of the United States, they really respect you. They'll hear you out. And there was no language barrier in Belize. And I remember being able to relate with him and talk with him. And I asked him to come to the outreach we were putting on that night. And he got to come 
and accept Jesus. But I remember Micah Mack pulled me aside. He's like, Josiah, I've never seen a boldness like you before like that. He's like, and I really think that God's empowering you to be a witness. And I, I just, I think that that's so real of when God talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a promise. It's something that he offers that you can seek after and he'll give it to you. The other thing is, what does it look like to have a spirit-empowered life? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I think we turn to Galatians for that. I think we best turn to Galatians for that. And Galatians 5 shows us two lists. There's two lists. The first one is the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. This is like the, the opposite of what a spirit-filled life is, is a sinful life. And this is kind of our natural tendency is to drift in this direction. But the acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. There's a whole list of idolatry and witchcraft, hatred. And some of these you're like, well, obviously it's not good to hate people. Haters going to hate. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, or, uh, orgies, and the like. And he says that these, like, that's the opposite of what a spirit-filled life looks like. That's like a path you don't want to go down. But then he says this. Paul writes in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 what it means to have a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says the fruit, that's the outward sign. If you imagine our life is a tree, he's using an analogy here. Like our life is like a tree. And it could be planted by living water or it could be planted where, where we die. But, but what, what the fruit of the Spirit is, is love. You can know a tree by a fruit. If you go up to an apple tree, what kind of tree is it? I heard an apple tree. Somebody, somebody's smart. I see you, Joel. Okay, you know a tree by its fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. And earlier in the year, towards the beginning of the year, I went to uh, Atlanta. And one of the challenges I feel like God gave me was which fruit of the Spirit did he want to develop in me and it's kind of like a nine-year challenge if you look at it that way this year there's one of the fruits of the spirit that i pray becomes more evident in my life and maybe that's part of your prayer tonight but i i truly think that god has bigger plans for your life than binging on netflix or looking for the next thing that will get you maybe a little rush of excitement i think that god has more important things for you to do than social media as cool as social media is God has cooler things and bigger things in store for you than that. And I, I was laying in bed last night after I've been praying about tonight, and I feel like God gave me this word. Maybe wherever you came in tonight, maybe this applies to you, and it's a question. Do you want more nights that you won't remember, or do you want more nights that you'll never forget because it, God used you so powerfully? Do you want more nights that you can't even remember? You passed out, there's, there's different things going on in your life where you, you don't even remember it, or do you want more life nights that are, that are impossible to forget because God did something so cool in your life? And I think that that's an answer that we could, that we could ask ourselves. And the other thing, I remember, what does this look like in America? What does this look like for me in my daily life? I remember in college, we had a chapel service similar to this one. And I remember I was praying in the back, and I had this picture of a building in my head, and I've never had this happen before, and I've never had it happen since. But I remember God showed me this picture of a skyscraper downtown that I felt like I was supposed to go to. And I don't like doing things alone. I don't know about you, but I was like, I told my best friend at the time, hey, Brett, I think we should go to this, this skyscraper downtown. He's like, okay, let's go. 
And so we go there, and it's like maybe a mile, a mile and a half walk. Beautiful day out. We go inside, and he's like, I think we're supposed to pray for somebody here. I was like, it would make sense if we were going to be used by God today that we'd maybe pray for somebody. But I remember having to go to the bathroom so vividly, so bad. So I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll come back. And I came back. Everything went, ba- went, went just fine in the bathroom, by the way. But I remember, I remember coming out of the bathroom and just saying, hey, I feel like, uh, and he's like, Brett's like, yeah, Josiah, I think we need to pray for, for this receptionist. And I look around, and it's like a room this size, a lobby. And there's like 16 different receptionists. You know, there's like some for the elevator over there. There's some for the doors. There's like security. There's like all these different receptionists. I'm like, okay, all of them or which one? And he's like, hey, we got to pray for this girl. And there was two of us. We went over. We talked to this girl. And we just said, hey, we really feel like we were supposed to maybe come and talk to you. We've never met before. And she's like, you know what? I think I know why you're here. And I need to go ask my supervisor if I can take my break. So she took her break for like five minutes. We sat on the steps outside. I'll never forget. We were like, hey, is there something we can pray with you about? We're just like two really weird dudes, and we've never done this before. But And so I remember she said, you know what? I feel like God was asking me to leave my job to quit today, and I felt like I just was so discouraged. I had no idea what's next. You know what? Sometimes God will guide you with a word of encouragement or just a simple gesture to pray for somebody or to step out of your comfort zone because now you have this boldness to even step outside of your normal comfort zone, your normal ritual. And I remember, I've never seen the girl since, but I really think it encouraged her that day of that somebody would go out of their way by a mile and a half and go and pray with somebody. I think that can make a difference in our lives. And I love what Mark 8, 36 says. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world but lose your soul? What good does it do, in other words, does it benefit anybody at all if you gain the whole world, all kinds of money, fast cars, sweet houses, and multiple of them? You gain everything that the world has to offer but lose your soul. What good is it? And I love that question. I've often reflected on that question in life. And then another one that's similar that I've drawn from it. Okay, or maybe you don't even lose your soul. What if you gained the whole world but you wasted your life? What if you gained the whole world but you're still dat- dissatisfied? You know, what do you do with that? And I love what Toby Mac, he's written a song with those lyrics of, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. Lecrae has uh, written a song, I don't want to waste my life. And um, I love what Venture Expedition, some of you are going to go on a bike ride or a run this summer. Venture is a group that they will run across states or bike across countries to raise money for social justice and to sacrifice our bodies so that other people can hear about the gospel or get a rescued out of sex trafficking or have a basic human need like water or or food met and so venture they've come across this phrase that i love it says benefit the world and you discover your soul and how can you avoid gaining the whole world and losing your soul i think it's by benefiting others and when you do that when you sacrifice something you discover your soul you discover the joy on the other side of obedience you know i think that um just from the magic thread Maybe that resonates with you. Maybe there's something, uh, but I really was inspired by a book. And maybe you're looking for some deeper reading. Maybe you're looking for some deeper reading. First of all, I'd say listen to the song by Leclerc that says, I don't want to waste my life. That's so good. Hopefully that's a prayer of yours. And then John Piper wrote this book, same title, Don't Waste Your Life. And I've just been um, really, really inspired by it. And one of the commitments I've made in 2016 is I want to expose my mind 
to people outside of my normal circle. I normally don't read John Piper, but I know he's a great thinker. C.S. Lewis, uh, Chesterton, Spurgeon. I want to open my mind to some of these deeper thinkers. And we've even done it at Legacy Life Group of watching some Ravi Zacharias and some different things like that. But what I want to do is I want to ask the band to come back up. And I'm going to ask if, um, I'm going to ask you to respond at some point. And whatever this looks like in your life of not wasting it. I hope and I pray that you look back on young adulthood and you look back at your life and you're like, I invested it into the things that matter most. I invested my time, my talent, my treasures, the relationships. I told the people I love that I love them. I made my one shot at life count. And I don't know about you, but one of the desires I have with this one chance I have at life is to make it count and really invest in it. And then we can look back on our lives and we not regret and say we wasted it but we can look back and say we invested it. Others, other lives are different because of it. And maybe God's empowering you. Maybe God's asking you to step out in your faith on your college campus or through coaching or on a team that you're a part of or in a, in a gym that you work out at. Maybe God's asking you to step out in faith, even with a family member. He'll give you the boldness. And you know what I've asked is that we'd even pray for boldness tonight. And maybe something that you've been speak, seeking is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? We'll pray with you tonight. And as the band starts to play, I'm even going to ask uh, in a few minutes, if you're a leader of young adults or if you're willing to pray with others to receive the gift and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or if, if you walked in with a felt need tonight and maybe your life has just been difficult all week, well, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you so that the rest of your life on earth can be different and also in eternity. And so I'm actually going to ask everybody to stand and respond in one of these ways. And one of them, I'm even going to ask that our prayer team kind of spreads out on this side and on that side so that people have somebody to pray with. And man, maybe, uh, maybe tonight you're here and you're not a follower of Christ. Maybe you're checking out the whole church thing. You're checking out the young adults. You're checking out the whole religion. You're looking at different options and opportunities with your life to invest in it and uh, you know what there's a guy named Jesus and he came and he died on the cross he had 33 years on his life and he didn't waste a single minute he invested in, in, in others lives in 12 disciples and many others and one of the things that he did and he said I think speaks so powerfully it makes Jesus followable and it's this Jesus said there's no greater love hear this don't miss this there's no greater love than somebody who would lay down their life for a friend. That's called a self-sacrificing love. There's no greater love than somebody who laid down their life for a friend. And that's a great teaching. That's easy to, that words are cheap. Words are easy to say something like that. But what makes Jesus followable is he actually did it. And he actually died. He actually laid his life down on a cross so that you and so that I, so we can have eternal life, that God offers it. God said that he loved the world so much that he gave his son with that self-sacrificing love because he had you in mind. It's pretty powerful. God loved the world so much. He loved you, Jess, so much. He loved you so much that he gave his son the thing that mattered most to him so that he would invest it. He didn't waste his life. Jesus didn't waste his life, but he gave it up as a ransom so that you could have eternal life. That's pretty sweet. Not only eternal life, but your life on earth can be radically different you have a challenge that you're walking through but first I want to offer if, if you would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life if you'd like to make him your savior tonight 
I would even ask that you would raise your hand. And I think that Jesus is so followable. He's a powerful guy. How can you argue with that? Somebody that would lay down your life for a friend. There's no greater love than that. And so even by a show of hands, if you'd be so brave as on the count of three to raise your hand, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity to meet Jesus tonight. So on the count of three, one, two, three. And if you want to make Jesus your savior tonight, it's always been about Jesus and it'll only ever be about Jesus. And I'll just ask you by a show of hands, anybody who wants to make Jesus their savior tonight, that's cool. Cool. I think it's the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And so maybe right where you're at, and then what I'm going to ask you to do to respond as well is that if you're looking for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you're looking for empowerment in your life, if you're looking to go from an empty life to a life that's filled, if you're looking to move from a life that's broken to a life that's whole, if you're looking for a life that's different and filled and meaningful and empowered and filled with joy instead of anger or love instead of hate, man, I really think that we'll have some time to spread out and worship and maybe God's asking you to bow and kneel right where you're at. Maybe he's like, go to the back so that you're not distracted. Maybe he's like, go and and pray with somebody for the first time. Man, that's cool. And if you need a Bible, we have a Bible for you that we'd love to get you on a meeting plan to grow and on your next steps. So I'll pray and then we'll ask you to move. So dear Heavenly Father, we just commit this night to you. And God, my prayer is that none of us will look back and say that we've wasted our lives. But instead, God, that we can invest our lives, the one and only shot that we get at life for the things that really count. So would you speak to us tonight during worship? Would you break our hearts for the things that break yours? God, would you fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses on our campuses, at coffee shops, in life and work and family? God, we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I'm going to invite you to move around, worship come up front, whatever you need to do, but the worship team will lead us in some songs and then we'll come back and dismiss in a few minutes. Sing I see. I see the King of glory coming on the clouds with fire. The whole earth The whole earth
going to sing is about Jesus being all and enough for us, and right in this moment, as Josiah was saying, um, he's wanting us to seek after God and his heart, his plan for us to go into that next step of whatever that is, it's going to be different for each person, but right now, God is with you here in this moment, whatever that looks like for you, he's enough for you right now. And so by faith, if you just worship him tonight, that's what he desires. He desires for your heart, and he wants you. So I encourage you guys to do that and to declare that he is enough right now and forever.